from Kurtco Media. This is Cars That Matter. This is Robert Ross with Cars That Matter, and I'm here this afternoon with my guest, Andreas Thurner. Uh, greetings, Andreas. Hi, Robert, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, this is going to be fun. Andreas uh, is with Karma Automotive in Irvine, California, and has been there since 2016. Now he's the Vice President of Global Design and Architecture. But I know before that, there were some interesting goings-on with Rolls-Royce and BMW. A lot of history there. You graduated from Pforzheim in, in Germany, the university, in, uh, with a transportation degree in 2004. Is that right? That is correct, yes. But you leapfrogged right away into an important job. You went to Rolls-Royce? Yeah, I was 25 years old and had basically no experience as a professional car designer. I did my internship during the studies with BMW Group in advanced design. I was then invited to come back and do my final thesis. So the theme of my final thesis was the spirit of BMW luxury in the future. I was fascinated by finding out what was the spirit, like of the Neue Klasse in the 70s, and what was this all about, and what is the meaning for that for the future? Should there any meaning be? And so I wanted to find out, is there a unique way, a BMW way of doing this, of challenging that? What I did, I, I reached out to these designers of that period. I reached out to Manfred Rennen, to Paul Brack, yeah. to Boyke Boyer, tried to arrange meetings with them, bought a nice bottle of wine. Did it's what, always a good way to get some conversation about cars going. Exactly. Um, asked them if I could visit them in their houses. They were older gentlemen. They were happy to invite me and to talk about the past. So what made that special? Why? How did they work? What was different to the established companies? At that time, Mercedes was established. And they talked about like... BMW was uh, really the underdog. It was the underdog. They were basically the, not not the startup, but the challenger for sure. Absolutely. Small symbols like they, I recall, they said, you know, we all had short arm shirts. We didn't wear ties. (laughs) The guys at... Mercedes wore all ties yeah, and long yeah. shirts and, and jackets and so on. They all at BMW, there were very few people, very small teams. You knew exactly by first name who was responsible for aerodynamics, who was responsible for this and that. So you, you and knew who was them. responsible for some very beautiful cars. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's hard to imagine something being more perfect as an exercise in economy and efficiency than the BMW 2002 or something more beautiful than a 3.0 CSL. Absolutely. Uh, and then you listen and then you hear about the small stories in the wind tunnel, what he did in order to challenge the, the, the Fords and so on. It's amazing. It was, it was inspiring for me. Yeah. And then, of course, you heard not only the attitude, how they interacted, how fast, how agile they were as well, how they described their products like a tailored suit, just enough, never never more than just enough, That's but right. perfect. An understatement, but understatement that was absolutely right. Anyway, this was probably my start into something of a little bit more meaningful car design and really trying to bring the point across, okay, one can make a difference by showing that there are different approaches. My model was shown at BMW to the board. The board came down into design to sort to see to review my scale model of the seven series. You know, that never happened before, and I was then as well 
asked to present my model to the group design chiefs of, you know, Mini, Hildebrand at that time, Ian Cameron at Rolls-Royce. Right. And uh, of course, uh, at the time, Chris Bangle was in charge of things at BMW. And Chris Bangle was leading that. So I was, I recall, when I presented, that was even before I presented in Pforzheim in our school. And I was so worn out, I was so worn out, I couldn't even think of any like CV or application. Or even, in fact, I, I didn't want him to work in that industry at all because I was just tired. I was just uh, burned out. I, I had <laughs> you already, hadn't even started yet. So I, I already had an application to go, in, go into Israel for one year into a keyboards or to go... The other application I had was to go on a boat in Netherlands for a year and just play guitar and just, oh, wow. you know... Uh, take, Every, take everybody's break. dream. But then, just in this presentation, three or four of the different brand chiefs give me their business card, and Ian was one of them, and said, well, we should talk. And that's Ian Cameron, of course, former design director at, at Rolls-Royce Motor Cars, and we've had Ian on the show, and what a fascinating character he is. I guess a bit of a mentor to you. Absolutely a mentor, and, uh, and I still think one of the most inspiring people yeah. in this industry. Yeah. Later, I got different opportunities, but really, Ian brought his team around. That same time, this was a small Rolls-Royce team within BMW that was kind of very special. Nobody saw them, really. They were in their own corners, and the, like the elite, they just launched the Phantom some years ago, and that car inspired me in Talk school. about a car that matters. A car that matters. So the Phantom, I thought such a car would not at all be possible anymore. And I was a student, so that had a big impact. Still, it was so far away for me that I would have never dreamed even to applying there again uh, to work there. It was just too far away. So when Ian then brought his team around and said, no, no, can you wait? And, you know, he brought Merrick Georgevich and Dean Smith and Charles called him. And, and Merrick was responsible for the exterior of the Phantom. Am I right? Merrick was the, is the Phantom designer and, yeah. of course, set the tone for the future then yeah. of Rolls-Royce with his styling and with his, with, with his feeling as well. But everybody there was just so warm-hearted and so impressed by the approach. Not everything that I did for my thesis was wonderful or perfect. When I look today at the sketches, I don't even want to look at the sketches. Well, but an artist is his own worst critic. <laughs> but I remember when, when Ian and I met Ian again for the interview, and the first thing he said, I'm Ian. By first name directly, of course, he's British. So there's no worry about Z or Do. Not no worry about Z and Do. And I remember that he said in one, he said to one of the other team members in the very beginning that he hired me because he liked my eyes. You know, yeah. this is this is just it's just it was just different. It was just not about That's business. Great. It was not about. I had as well offers where I would have earned in the beginning more money, but with Ian, I didn't even ask. I didn't. I did not even know what I was going to what I, what, I, what I was going to earn. Right? It was just like oh, it was just an honor. It's fantastic. Well, obviously, we want to talk about what's happening at Karma and how a lot of these past experiences of yours and the great uh, depth of knowledge you gained with BMW and Rolls Royce have kind of informed your notions of luxury with the new company. But you know, let's go back before we kind of jump into Karma and talk about for a minute some of the things that really inspire you. You know, I, I had a chance to look at you with your portfolio. 
And obviously the drawing is remarkable. A lot of car designers, quote-unquote, obviously have some great executive skills with the pencil or the pen. But drawing is obviously something that's really important to you, and you have an art background, and maybe you want to talk about that for a moment. I think that very few designers have a fine art background, and to me it seems like a rare connection that informs design in a way that, that would not otherwise be so informed. Yeah, sketching design means a lot for me. Even before I could probably articulate in any other way, I was sketching all the time. My parents have four boys, and they tell even when I was two, three years old, I was sketching all the time. Two older brothers later when I was in kindergarten and then in school, I was asked by my older brothers to sketch their homeworks <laughs> or when they were when they were in like in high school or, or even university I did some art projects for them and they That's paid me. Fantastic. So that was the way where I gained respect for my olders. But it was very special. There's the story as well that I love to sketch so much and in kindergarten I had teacher who who let me do that right I, I, I usually they're yelling at you young man put the pencil down and listen to this history lesson no this is this is actually really reason why why we decided here as well in california our boy goes to a waldorf kindergarten because he can be being creative this is the, the best education you can have yeah. but the academic education starts much later there yes and in my experience I, that was the same thing i just was allowed to sketch all day. The rest of the time I wanted to be carried around because I was just a, a mom kid. But then coming into school, I had a teacher who did not understand that or who for sure thought doing good by being strict, wanting to be strict and wanted to forbid me to sketch. And I realized much later that this was really a critical phase for me. I was getting afraid. I was I was slipping down and uh, not really catching up with the others in terms of reading. I was mm -hmm. sick a lot. I was home and so on. So my parents learned that as soon the topic school came up at home, I was quiet. I couldn't express it, but I was not healthy, not happy there. Well, obviously, drawing for you became a creative endeavor early on, and it seems to me that it's still really a fundamental building block to your creative process in your current design role. I mean, without drawing, how would you do it? No, it's, it's the starting point for everything, I think. You need to understand, you need to articulate. I had a fantastic life-drawing professor in Pforzheim. He always said you need to, through drawing, understand basically the backside, what you don't see. So you, 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 you draw it all around, you understand, you, you immerse yourself in, in something. It's an important thing. It's an important thing. It's as well like you're, you're exposing a lot of your personality. You're, it's like a handwriting. I don't have the most beautiful handwriting, but the, still the, the art and how a line is, how, what importance you can put into one single line yeah. is yeah. Uh, what kind of respect, you know, knowledge, experience can go in one single line is astonishing. It's, yes. it's, it's amazing, yeah? And many times, of course, a car can carry that same line and, and carry that same signature through the, you know, arc of a fender or a profile or a, or a, even a detail that really sort of identifies its creator in a way mm. that's completely unique. Before we go on, we're going to take a quick break and then come back with my guest, Andreas Thurner, on Cars That Matter. Hey, this is Chris and Jenny from When Last I Left, another Kurt Co. Media podcast. And we have some awesome news for you. Super exciting. If you're anything like me, gift giving can be kind of difficult this time of year. I'm not like you. No, you're not. I'm really great at giving She's gifts. She's much better at giving you gifts. You want to know why? Why? I go to vicesreserve.com. 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 It's the perfect place to get unique curated gifts that don't suck. Like... 
cocktail kits, oh, cool, cool gadgets, oh, yeah. really great liquor. Mm-hmm. They don't stop there, though. They don't. If you use the code PODCASTVIP, you get an extra 15% off everything in the store. Everything is 15% off with the code PODCASTVIP. Everything at vicesreserve.com. That's insane. You should go now. I'm going to go as soon as I finish listening to this episode. Cool. Buy me something. I will. Welcome back to Cars That Matter. Andres, we talked about Rolls-Royce briefly, but I think it's important to kind of go back and touch on on some of the really important breakthroughs that you and the team made with both the Ghost and the Dawn. The Ghost, of course, being the smaller sibling to the large and stately Phantom, and of course the Dawn being the convertible or drophead version of a very beautiful personal Rolls-Royce. I was hired for the Ghost. 2004, when I started, the project was not defined at all. It could have been this or that. So it was prior to the proportion phase. It was the concept discussions. And one of the first trips that the design team did was to Goodwood. And Karl-Heinz Kaifer was actually still oh, the, yeah. the CEO. That was yeah. the day before he left. Was Is that was right, from Maserati? Yeah. The day before he wow. left. So I was brought in for this project, and I remember, of course... When you come in and you, when I'm the only one and I felt, oh my gosh, this is what history, what, what responsibility. And there's somebody who really believes in you, so you better deliver. I, in the first weeks, I put up sketches and sketches and sketches. The whole, I filled the hall full of sketches. And I remember Ian coming in and said, Andreas, don't stress yourself. We're just building one car. <laughs> you know, it was not about uh, it was not about quantity that yeah. he wanted. I, that was something I learned immediately. Mm-hmm. It was about quality. The, do the right thing. Believe in it. Don't open if you don't believe in it. All the possibilities go for, for what you believe. Yeah. Right. So many, many, many of these of these occasions. And then so we we continued had a one and a half, two years proportion phase. Not an easy one. What does that mean? Does that, when you say proportion phase, help me and our audience understand what that exactly means. So after identifying what the general concept of the car is, so let's say it's a four-door right. sedan and not a two-seat roadster, you start concept phase with your engineers and you know different parties have different proposals. See, it makes sense to spend take so-and-so many carryover pieces from a 7 Series or or do something completely different or find a hybrid. And what is that hybrid worth? So you need to, then it's more than negotiations. It's really, you have different passes. You do different, the same design in the best case Mm -hmm. that you can compare it and go one or the other pass. So we had a good proportion phase, I think a successful proportion phase, and then we went into a 16th century house in, in southern England in West Sussex. That would be a new house in England, wouldn't it? <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful house with a ballroom with our own chef, who later became a two Michelin yeah. star chef. And Only one to go. This, this, was, this was a very, very impressive time as well. In many ways, that was called the kickoff of the design phase after the proportion phase the tricky part for me was that was the first time for me after like two and a half years living and already breathing and already like dreaming and carrying the car through to make sure these this is the stance this is proportion so it was already my baby right basically and i was 27 or 28 then wow and then suddenly the design competition started so suddenly we had a designer coming in from DesignWorks. We had somebody coming in who just did E92 uh, BMW. But wait a minute, this was yours. 
this was, <laughs> but you know, this is normal life. This is the normal life no, of a designer. So, so more people came in and they started, bam, first day with beautiful renderings and sketches. And I was, I was kind of in shock. I said, no, 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 I wasn't anticipating that something like this could happen. And another one of those stories that I will never forget, you know, of Ian Cameron, he comes in and realizes that I have kind of a, a blockage or I can't deliver in the first couple of days or even week. I don't know when it was. And he just says, well, you don't have to show me anything anymore. You showed it before that you can do it. Not a problem. Just enjoy your time. Boy, talk about faith. My gosh. And the next day I was able to sketch again. Fantastic. And these, basically, these renderings that I have here are done in this house, like the days after he said this to me. This is amazing. I wish our audience could see these renderings. They're absolutely exquisite. Talk about artistic, artistic capabilities. These are gorgeous illustrations, very soft and painterly. Are those done with markers or a computer? How do you render these things? So I was experimenting with, with watercolor, with hand. My sketches are all, first of all, hand sketches. I'm not a good sketcher on the computer, and I think differently on a piece of paper. But the young designers, they sketch on a computer, but it is actually not always good, and I try as well to challenge them from time to time. Yes. Because, it's, you know, Apple Z, Apple Z, you can just... It's just replaceable. It's so that's easy. right. And, that's uh, right. It's the difference between typing on a keyboard and actually being to, being able to write in cursive. If you write it, you feel it in a way that you can never feel it if you click the keys. Absolutely. And to have this as well that you actually you know you could screw it up is as well something special. You know, a sketch, a rendering. That's right. Where you have to exactly know when to stop. There's a beauty as well into that, right? It's a different relationship you have with a sketch. So, for example, on this series of these blue renderings, it meant for me something. How I did them, that was the ghost, right? Out of the shadow. That was, uh, they should be powerful. They should be elegant. They should be like nobody else has done them before, never seen them before. So this was this was the meaning for me behind that. Andreas, give our audience a quick glimpse of Karma's history as it is and what the opportunities and challenges were when you came there. So Karma was bought by the Wong John Group some like four years ago, five years ago, four years ago. And Wong John is the largest part supplier manufacturer in China, but they have many, many other business as well. There's a Wang Chun North America and the Wang Chun China insurance companies, hotels, and much, much more. But Wang Chun is a company with principles, with very noble principles. We got to know the chairman, and and now his son, unfortunately, the chairman died. But he was a hero. He still is a hero in China. He never sold the company. He was always good to his people. He is always right? he did everything for his people. And he bought Karma as well by saying he wants to not only be a part supplier, he wants to build up his own luxury brand to give back to his people. And people believed him because he never took more for himself than absolutely needed. So his office was super simple. Oh, what an inspiring he, story. He flew, he flew economy. You know, he was a billionaire. With Andreas at the forefront of new car design, I had to ask him to take a look into his crystal ball to see where car design was going, specifically through the lens of luxury. What about battery electric, pure battery vehicles? Uh, Is that going to be where we're going? I think for an interim time, for sure. If it is battery powered, 
I think definitely electric cars, but there are different ways to, to power them as well. For a period or for a generation or two, for sure. I'm, I'm pretty convinced right now we drive at home two electric cars and it's just so convenient and, you know, not, not at all any feel of range anxiety. It's just not, hap- it's just not there. It's, range it's anxiety is awfully overblown, by the way. I just have to butt in and say this. Somebody was talking to me the other day. It's like, if you've got a problem, are you insane? What do you mean? How many times do you drive from L.A. to San Francisco? Or, or, or you, Stop in the middle. You have to stop and have lunch. You stop at Harris Ranch. You go, you plug the car in, you have a steak sandwich, you come out and your car is fueled or electrified. You go on your way. Range anxiety is absolutely overblown. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, by the way, as well, a great joy and fun to drive agile cars, you know, and, and electric cars are bloody agile. That's right. All the center of gravity is down low where you want it, and then you're basically flicking around a little go-kart. Absolutely. I mean, I love driving cars. I, lo- I love to drive a Porsche. It's just, I think, like a Swiss clock, that's perfect. In the same time... I was. I don't say the the brand now. I was driving uh, a loud car, which would have excited me some years ago very, very much. And I thought in the end, God, a lot of noise for very little. A lot of noise for little. Of course, I love sound, but still, this was like uh, somehow. Especially hard work. at seven in the morning when you're going to work. <laughs> <laughs> no. So yes, there are great opportunities, but you know, technology should not be used for the sake of let's use more technology. It's supporting an experience that you want to bring across. What are you standing for? What, is, what are your principles? What are your experience principles? What does your company stand for? And then you need to find some certain technologies that support that idea. And the more discreet they are, the more unobvious they are, the better it is, the better they are integrated for, from a design point of view. Yeah, maybe that kind of takes us in a direction where my observation has been that as things become more, I'm going to say, technologically ubiquitous. In other words, let's assume for the moment that auto manufacturers going forward adopt all electric platforms. And all these cars do zero to 60 in three seconds or whatever. I mean, this is all, you know, it's sort of a, it's a given. All of a sudden, performance is a given, and it's astounding. All of a sudden, they adopt all of the technological amenities. So you've got your connectivity. You've got all the kinds of things that you want. And frankly, whether you're driving a Prius or a Phantom, it's going to have all of those things. So in a lot of ways, the playing field has been leveled. Every car is equal. Every car performs to the max. Every car delivers everything you want. At that point, my question is, what will be the measure of a luxury vehicle? What role does design play in defining one car as a real statement of luxury and excellence? Well, I think it plays a very, very important role on, again, on how you get there. What are your authentic thoughts behind it? How how does the whole team get there and what is the story for it? So what will be the, the authentic experience that you interact with your car, how you feel your car? Again, it's not a shell. One example is how something probably I learned at Rolls-Royce was cultivated, let's say, at Rolls-Royce because I was always interested to, to dig a little bit deeper. But what I do with my designers as well now, I send them out not only for days but for, for weeks and sometimes more than a month to work somewhere else, not in the design studio. They go to, uh, for example, they worked at the Hollywood Hills, stayed there, slept there and 
got the task for me to try different things, dress differently, go in different restaurants in West Hollywood, go in different libraries or, or galleries and see different people with different eyes and experience something very unique. And so when you experience something very unique to yourself, something very unexchangeable, then you can as well design something very unique and you can tell a story with your product that will inspire people as well. It's not exchangeable then. You basically offer something nobody else offers. Mm -hmm. You take in materials from these experiences, from these contexts, you take in feelings and that is not the, I don't want to say you, you mentioned the Brios, any other car, like it's not an exchangeable average car. There's a certain aura, there's a certain presence there's a certain then confidence and as well the the possibility for uniqueness because it's not googled it's it's experienced right so i ask our color material designer at the hollywood hills at the first review the image boards were still full of beautiful pictures from the internet and i say now we change that now you should at least spend half of your time not at the house or three quarter of your time but spend it outside. Outside. So make sure the next pictures come from your cell phone, come, not from the internet. Come from your, come from yourself, you know. Yeah. And and then it is clear. No other design studio in the world will have these same images. Well, you know, we've talked about moving forward, and obviously, I'd like to ask you what's happening with Karma and some secrets in the future. There, I'm not sure you're going to tell me much. But in a nutshell, can you tell us where you're going next? Well, we have an we have an outstanding. EREF powertrain technology already, right, with the Rivero GT. And yes. I, I can say that I'm really more than impressed. I'm touched by how good it drives. Drives extremely good. At Monterey, where we met, yes. journalists and former race drivers were testing the cars and they, they feedback the engineering team. I can't take this desk credit, but our engineering team got to hear from them that this car is superior to the Stuttgart's, which is pretty damn amazing for the first mm. proper ground-up engineered car for such a small company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I know you say small company, by the way. Let me interrupt and just ask you, how many people are with Karma? We are way under 1,000, which is in the automotive industry or context very small. Yeah, it's very intimate. Yeah. Very intimate. But we have a complete full value chain. We manufacture, we do everything from A to Z, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. But what I want to say, the car already, so the existing powertrain already drives the chassis, the way how the car brakes and steers is fantastic. And I can only encourage everybody to try it out. This is the one side of our business. We, we will stay and cultivate basically this serial hybrid. So you always drive electric, but you can as well generate more new electricity. And this is the Rivero you're this talking about. This is the Rivero. About. It's yes. a fantastic driver's car. Yeah. Fantastic driver's car. And I was positively shocked, I have to say. And I'm driving it right now. I'm here with the car right oh, now. Oh, fantastic. The other aspect, so we will continue this powertrain and we will see lots of opportunities to, to use this technology in different concepts. In the same time, we are right now approaching a complete new platform, a bath platform, which again has... That's a battery electric vehicle. But this is a purely battery-driven yeah. vehicle without an engine, combustion engine. And this offers us different opportunities, new opportunities. It's the same or even more excitement for designers because we have so much opportunities. All that sure. space. 
all that space, which you can use as as space or as negative space. Yeah, that's right. right. You that's can right. use it both ways, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and you just have to make it very deliberately. Yes, and of course, with you know the economies of scale that I assume obtain with your parent corporation, I mean that's basically battery central. So you've got all of the technological underpinnings and all of the supply chain that you would potentially need to actually uh, imagine and engineer and build those cars. Yeah. Uh, in the same time, you're always looking for partners. The industry is moving so fast. In one hand, it is about hardware. and the other hand, it is about software or an ecosystem and services that you can provide. And sure. there we are here in, a, in this situation as well in an area which is very, very positive. Uh, it's very, exciting. It's I mean, very finally, exciting. cooperation that never existed before, almost of necessity, but also uh, with a mind for efficiency, profits, and everybody wins. Absolutely. And we are not anymore just designers or car builders. We are not just companies who do B2C as a business to customers directly, yeah. but now as well B2B, business to business. We talk to other companies who offer services and we join forces to offer services combined to customers that could be interested in, in our united forces. So it's very, very interesting. And you have to start designing with an understanding for business as well and for different different opportunities from the start. So in other words, potentially a, you might have a client come to you who's looking to help you design something completely outside of the automotive arena, but that would rely on your uh, expertise and your yes. approach to problem solving. Yes, yes. We not only design, but several departments in our house are actually set up to be their own profit centers in the I future see. as well which is very interesting, which is stimulating for the design team. There can be, you know, a flying car come around or there can be... <laughs> We're waiting for those. Yeah, interesting topics. We just designed our third bus, fully electric bus, which will drive, or we saw the first prototypes already driving in, in, in China. They, no these, kidding. They, they wow. drive in China and it, it's impressive. You approach this differently sure. and you learn for your own business again right yeah it's it's like a piece of architecture basically and now you learn it you can bring it back and and learn it in mid-october we are opening our new design studio in in Irvine. it's a brand new beautiful you know long plate of plate of stiefelmeyer uh, measuring plate it's, it's it's incredible but we designed it our designers designed it as well so it's it's awesome we'll be right back Sometimes the exceptional is not the biggest budget. Sometimes the exceptional is someone's ability to actually take their soul and print it on the screen for a moment. I want to learn everything that there is to know about the filmmaking process. I think part of art is hearing from the artists who create it. And the number of different visions, the number of different qualifications that have to go into making any film is insurmountable. And hearing those stories can be just as exciting and insightful as the movies themselves. Certain movies or certain scores, certain actors, have shaped who I am as a person. I have such appreciation for the things that people produce and the work that goes into it. Whether it's the writer who came up with the story in general or how the filmmakers were able to take that from the page and put it onto screen and then from the actors themselves who were able to kind of bring that all to life. All of it is what I want to hear because it makes me love my favorite movies even more. I'm Scott Talal. If you love movies like I do, you're going to love Hollywood Unscripted. Wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we're back now with Cars That Matter. My guest, Andreas Thurner. 
What a great glimpse of your past experience and, and your present projects, Andreas. It's great to talk to you about these things. But we also want to talk about some stuff that is near and dear to our listeners, certainly to me, and that's cars that matter most to you. Let's dig into that a little bit. What are some of your favorites? The very first car that I owned and bought with the very first money that I earned at Rolls-Royce was a 75 Alfa Romeo GT designed by Bertone. Yes. And that was very special for me. I, I, I love that car. It's, I think, almost like the golden cut of how it stands. It's designed by young Giugiaro. That's right. He was actually the same age when he designed that car. So it was one of his first cars. Is that um, right? That was a 1961 design. The first step nose was around then. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. it went through, I guess, 75 in Europe as the yeah. 2000, correct? Yes. So I had one of the latest production cars. Fantastic. And that was amazing. And you know, it's in a gorgeous shape. It, it really is. I mean, beautiful. it was. It looks so dynamic and so simple as well. Yeah. You know, we talked about simplicity yeah. and reduce reduction. It was full of tension, this car. Yeah. Full of tension. And even being static, it has a lot of motion, forward motion to it. And you can just see Italian you know, elegance and Absolutely. Beauty. I, I, I love putting that car next to a BMW 2002 and maybe next to a Datsun 510, you know, and you put all three together and you realize they were racing together at SCCA, same class and, and, and all tearing each other up and, and doing an amazing job. But talk about how a culture can have a signature on automotive design. Every single one, you can tell where those cars came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, Giugiaro's little GTV was really the most Italian car that you could have imagined from that time. So the little Alpha really informed some of your uh, original inspiration for cars. What else? Definitely the definitely cars of the pre-war phase in the ah, 30s. The 30s, definitely. Because, you know, this whole time seemed to have been so special in terms of pioneering or as well competition if it's the french if it's the bugattis of that time the you know the atlantic is just oh, outstanding yeah, but yeah. then as well what you know the, the phantom 2 is just look at the propension oh, proportion gosh, of a phantom 2 what an amazing thing a mile long hood or i guess you call them bonnets over there yeah proportionally there's there's probably nothing more regal and yeah. stately and impressive than that car the yeah you say the, the, the sheer presence and then as well how small how tiny but yet perfectly fitted the cabin was for yeah, it, right? Uh, that's right. Tiny. Just impressive. Just beautiful. Yeah. So pre-war, is, it's interesting that a contemporary designer is so affected by pre-war designs. I think that says a lot about your appreciation for history. Well, yeah. You probably see when you see the SC1 as yes. well that, there is, that there's definitely something of that drama and something of that, again, pioneering spirit and expressive presence from those days Absolutely. you know you just have to yeah. imagine just have to imagine to how would it feel to sit in the spitfire and and have that nose in front of you or you know the, and you're not the, talking about a triumph spitfire you're talking about the airplane and yes yeah. that is a magnificent view yeah and then you know the, uh, you have this merlin engine in front of you of course yeah. now we don't have an engine in front of us but still you celebrate proportions you celebrate power just with the proportions. And there's something, I'm convinced, there's something about proportions and stance that will just never age. That's right. That's uh, why a Jaguar E-Type looks so good today as it did the day it was born. Absolutely. It looked like a starship landed. Yeah. And actually, we were as well thinking about that car when we did. 
Oh, is that right? Holocaust, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Well, I, I, I never want to be presumptuous and assume that one thing informed the other, but no question that the, the SC1 has, has that proportion and stance and kind of perfection of line. Well, what about driving? You like driving? I like driving, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm a very, very good driver, but I love driving, yeah. And what you'd mentioned earlier, the 911 is an example of a car that, you know, you consider a, a great driving experience. Are there some other cars, that or some others that may have kind of affected you? And Well, I several Porsches I, I like to drive, you know, I, I, I love to drive a, a Cayman, which is, oh, yeah. I think, just absolutely fantastic to drive as well. But then I, I was touched to drive the Phantom. Aha. Uh-huh. The Phantom is just such a Isn't that something? solid yet light and sophisticated yes. feeling. I had a chance at one time to drive the Silver Ghost. Did you really? Yeah. The yeah. Uh, 1907 yeah. Silver yes. Ghost? Yes. I mean, I, I shouldn't say drive, I was passenger. Yeah. But yet that was an experience. We drove it from Sunningdale over Windsor Castle and passing Ascot and, you know, all these beautiful old trees left and right and the whole context. And you sit so high up, you sit so close together, you have your feet very fast, yet your posture is upright. The whole experience of how you sit is just something else. And then you feel just this power, this energy, yet it's so smooth. It's absolutely clear where you're going. It's like on rails. It's confidence without question. Isn't it amazing? I, I've talked to some old guys that are owners of the original Silver Ghosts, and uh, obviously not that one. That's probably the most valuable car in the world, but of that model. And they still regard it as one of the most perfectly built and engineered cars in the world. You, you just can't find fault with them hundred and something years later. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what gives me hope because <laughs> it was really the, the first serious car. And they had a car before, like, but not serious. Like it was their first series meant to publish and yet, yeah. yet it was the best car in the world, right? They were the startups back then, right? They that's were, right, they were. They, were, they were established companies and nobody knew before that Rolls-Royce would be the best car in the world for 110 years now. So that gives hope. The first car that we did, I just talked about it, here, the Rivero drives fantastically, and it's not easy to pull off against sophisticated and established brands like Porsche and Mercedes and to get that feedback from professional drivers. Yeah. And, you know, on this, you can really build. Because, well, because we talk about experience, we talk about possibilities of new drivetrains and that you have more space and this and that, but the driving experience always is very, very, very important that you can still make your statement despite connectivity and ecosystem all of this is important Mm -hmm. but the driving experience is something very very important well i look forward to driving the rivero and obviously best of luck with that as you move forward with that and with other new projects that we'll i'm sure uh, hear about in the very very near future awesome thank you so much robert thank you to andreas thurner from karma automotive for joining us on cars that matter join us next time to start a new conversation about the passions that drive us and the passions we drive This episode of Cars That Matter was hosted by Robert Ross, produced by Chris Porter, sound engineering by Michael Kennedy, theme song by Celeste and Eric Dick, edited by A.J. Mosley, recorded at Kirkco's Malibu Podcast Studios. Additional music and sound by Chris Porter. Our guest today was Andreas Thurner. Tune in to Cars That Matter wherever you rev up your podcasts. I'm Robert Ross. Thanks for listening.
Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind.